Good afternoon, everyone. Today's March 31st, 2020. This is the final day of the first quarter of 2020. I don't know about the rest of you, but good riddance to, to it. As far as I'm concerned, the earnings will start rolling in uh, next week, and I think that's going to be really, really interesting. And we've also got uh, the uh, employment report on Friday. So this is going to be very, very interesting times. Best uh, time for you to come to the Options Tribe, which is our weekly webinar here at SMB. We hold it every Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time throughout the year. And uh, the purpose of the Options Tribe is to help to bring uh, options information to you through options trading strategists and experts, uh, also trading psychology, technical analysis, and any other skill or knowledge that can help you to improve your skill set as an options trader. That's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. Before we get started, I want to point out that SMB Training is not a broker-dealer. We're doing these webinars for educational purposes only. Today's webinar does not contain any live positions. Everything that you'll see today will be hypothetical and therefore not subject to the market factors of liquidity, slippage, and commissions. I also want to point out that options trading is risky as is all forms of investing and trading. And so you shouldn't expose any capital at all to options trading until you're fully aware of those risks and have done a lot of, gotten a good education, done a lot of back testing and paper trading. And when you trade live, trade responsibly and at a very small level relative to your net worth and your net income for an extended period of time before you even consider increasing your capital's exposure to options trading. Because in the beginning, you're not going to necessarily understand how options respond to varying market conditions like the crazy ones we've been experiencing. And if you don't know how they're going to respond, you won't know how to strategize. And you'll be doing that on a large amount of capital, which will be a big mistake because you're going to get caught in situations that you won't know how to handle. So start small with capital for an extended period of time and save yourself a lot of money. All right. So with that. I would like to welcome for not his debut presentation, but one of his uh, one of his presentations, and that is Dave Heinzen, who is a longstanding Options Tribe member, uh, and he has presented on the Options Tribe before. A great guy, and he is going to be his sidekick today. Is going to be John Locke. Hey, John. Hey, guys. And uh, John is here because what Dave is doing is basically a derivative of one of John's strategies uh, on the Super Simple Spreads program. And therefore, uh, we felt you know, it would be good to have John here kind of as a, uh, as a co-conspirator for the meeting today. So, uh, by the way, that picture, I just Googled cool car. <laughs> yeah, that is not my car. car. Thank uh, you. And that's what came up. That's a pretty, I think that's a pretty cool looking it's car. It's a pretty sure. cool car. But you, you'll, you'll need a, a pretty good winning streak on options trades to be able to afford that. I'll, I'll have to ramp up size to, to <laughs> right. Well, only do so prudently as it relates to your net income and net worth. Absolutely. Then Absolutely. I can agree with you. Okay. And uh, so as those of you who kind of were here before we started the meeting officially may have gleaned, Dave is a commercial pilot. He works for Southwest Airlines, and he is living proof that you can trade, uh, that you can do in options income strategies without sitting in front of your uh, desk all day because he, um, you know, he's up in the air a certain percentage of the time and uh, therefore has to have created workarounds for his to be able to be a successful options trader at the same time trade uh, at the same time, you know, have a, have a busy lifestyle as a commercial pilot and, you know, a family guy. So Dave, welcome back to the options tribe. John, welcome back as always. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks Seth. I, I appreciate that. You know, thanks for having me on. And I, I feel a little bit like this is like I'm in a uh, bizarro world, right? So if you're, if you're familiar with S Seinfeld and the bizarro world, it's like, here I am as the, uh, you know, the presenter here and, and I've got, my name in lights with John Locke after it. So that I, <laughs> I just can't get over that. So I, I feel like uh, I'm like the opening act. So we'll go with that. I'm the opening act to John Locke. So if, if there uh, was, no, no, you are, you are the act, my friend. <laughs> if there was no super simple spreads, if there was no course like that, I wouldn't be on here today. So first off, I just want to say thanks to Seth and, and, and also to John. You're Absolutely. welcome. So just so everybody knows, I met David, what, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was at the M21 presentation 
when I did the live class in New York. Dave, oh, yeah, that's right. That's early, right. yeah, early 2014. So that's I met both of you at the same at the same time. That's right. That's right. That was uh, two, was that was that that long ago? Six years ago, huh? 2000. Yeah, it's I like, think it was February. It's like, of, like a reunion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all kind of yeah. comes full circle. So yeah. uh, again, you know, it just just kind of shows you what uh, you can do with options. Here we are talking six years later and still, you know, being successful, still doing different things. I wouldn't say uh, you necessarily do the same thing all the same time and expect the same results. We all know that uh, you kind of have to adapt to the market and especially that rings rings true now. Indeed. And so Dave, you can bring up your presentation. All right, Seth, can you see my screen there? Yes. Okay, great. Now, first, before I start, guys, I just want to let you know that I am uh, a father of three young children. I'm in, in the office right now with the door closed, but that could change at some point. Uh, I might get a little interruption as most people around the, the country and the world are. We're all kind of uh, huddled in our house right now, as, just like most people are. And so sometimes the kids are a little bit stir crazy. I think, I think Jill's got them down in the basement right now. So um, Jill's workout place that she goes to, it's a kickboxing place. And so obviously it's closed right now and has been for several weeks, but every day they send out an email of a, of a home-based workout. So hmm. I've kind of quarantined them down in the basement. I told them, Hey, <laughs> it's gotta be quiet up here, guys. I know you, uh, my wife wanted to get her workout in. So I think she's gonna, she's got the kids down there as well. So Hopefully you don't hear any crashing sounds either. I don't know what they're what they're kickboxing down there, but I'm I'm safer upstairs here. Okay, great. <laughs> and I want to make sure everyone can see the screen. I got one comment from someone that they couldn't see it earlier. Can a couple folks just type into the chat whether you can see the screen? Just make sure there's no issue here. Yeah. Okay. That is great. It's very clear. People can see it. And right. thanks very much. Go. So fire away. All right, here we go. So we talked about this, Seth talked about the uh, legal disclaimers, not an investment professional. What, what is it people say? Don't, don't listen to a word I say. Don't believe a word I say. <laughs> <laughs> but with, after I tell you don't listen to a word I say, why don't I just tell you a little bit about my background, right? Because most people, when they come on to the Options Tribe, they'll, they'll talk for, what, about 40, 45 minutes or so. And then mm -hmm. after that, they'll... They'll then kind of talk about maybe their website or their their trade or their course that they're selling. So what I want to do is ease everybody's um, anxiety. I'm not going to come through with some some course that I'm selling or, or a website for you to go to. Uh, this is more of a feel-good type hour where I'm going to talk kind of high-level, very uh, broad brush, what I've been doing recently and it, you know when Seth and I first started talking about this and he reached out to me it was it kind of the, it's a kind of a fun story how this all came about and uh, it, nothing earth shattering as far as how the trade works itself but just kind of to give you the oomph and the push if you are an options trader either beginner or experienced and and let you know that you can take it to the next level and tailor it and configure a trade uh, to your liking, to your schedule. Uh, I've got a different schedule than other people, and you know everybody's got their own thing going on as far as what they can and can't do as as far as trading. So, for for me, my background is I've been a buy and hold investor uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, as far as stocks, uh, I got into options about twelve years ago, right as the um, 08, 09 recession was going on. I was, um, I was at work with, with the guy who we were discussing that he was doing very well in the markets. And I told him, no, I, I don't believe that. And he uh, then told me how he was uh, working with options. So that kind of got me interested in a little bit in it as well. So for, for a little while after that, I kind of taught myself with some books and some webinars. And as we talked about early on here, just a couple minutes ago, I met both Seth and John uh, in early 2014, and with the M21 course, uh, introduced to a lot of great friends here that I speak to, 
either on on Skype or Slack or even uh, through email. I've been to a lot of the different workshops. Um, Seth Seth and I have uh, he knows me from the Option Tried Tried Trading contest from several years ago, mm-hmm. and so I came in. I think the the year that I'm thinking of, Seth, I came in second as the um, the yeah. money the money winner. I was a, a let's let's be clear. It was a distant second from uh, Andrew Faldi. So that was when the the net zero I think came around, and he was uh-huh. doing it on, on that. So that that's been a that was a, a fun time as well. And as Seth said, I do have a full time job, and it, I'm just here to kind of reemphasize that that you can have a full time job and trade options uh, as well. And I've I've been doing that for years now. So what kind of trading strategies have I done? And I'm not saying that I am doing them now because Dave, like, could I just jump in for a second? Uh, I don't know if you're moving away from the mic or you just sound a little faint, slightly. Ah, okay. How's that better? That's better. Good. Okay. So currently I'm not uh, trading the, these kind of market neutral strategies. Mm-hmm. And so people might say, why? Well, that's because SDX is, is sometimes running a hundred points a day, 150 points a day. So that's kind of the exact opposite of market neutral. But in the normal times, I've done all the, the courses that we all know, like the M3, M3U, Rhino Trades, the X4, um, different strategies, and, uh, and, and the Rock. And most recently, I had uh, good success with the Rock uh, prior to this last month. Basically. Yeah, that, the pandemic goofed that up. It was kicking for quite a while, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. We, we, but, you know, yeah, although I want to say killing it. which is that – Every one of these strategies are built with the expectation that some kind of big thing's going to happen every now and then, and that that is going to reduce the returns that year, right? I mean, and because of these big events, they work. In other words, you know what I'm saying, John? Like, Oh, the, stra- the strategy is the- still wonderful, and, and I'm actually still trading a rock trade, actually, we're just, but that's a nice adaptable trade, right. but we're not making the big money with it anymore. We're just kind of scalping a little bit of money here and there. But yeah, right. what, what you're saying is, is exactly true. I mean, we're, these are designed to take advantage of the market as it sits most of the time. Right, and so when you get a big explosion of volatility like we have, that's not going to go away in one day. That's right. going to be around as this market becomes a little more tradable for market neutral strategies. You're going to have that heightened volatility for some time. And uh, that's going to help those trades be very successful. Um, the, the, the reason why puts are, people pay for puts is because they never know when something like this is going to happen. And so a lot of our strategies are built around the volatility that's just sort of like inherent in the marketplace because there's always a potential for trades like this. So Seth, I like to say this is why we make money most of the time is when exactly, things like this happen. Exactly. That's right. Right. The, the analogy I always draw is to insurance companies, uh, which I used to work in that industry, so it's an analogy I draw on a lot, where on, if there were no hurricanes, nobody would ever buy wind insurance, Right. You've got to have that hurricane, which is a losing year for the insurance company, but it makes it a long-term profitable business because most of the time you don't have a hurricane, right? right. Same kind of thing. So, okay, I didn't mean to jump in, but just wanted to clarify with people that just because the rock, which has been a joke in terms of tremendous returns, uh, had a bad month for some people, doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, in other words, that's that's built into the expectations of the returns on the rock that something like this will happen periodically. Right. You just have to go in, take your loss and be okay with it. Exactly. And then wait for right. the right time to go back. And take your loss. You got to take your loss. You, yeah. I mean, that's the other loss. thing you got to take your stops. Yes. Yeah. And Otherwise it can get out of hand. Yeah. Right. And when I say market neutral, a lot of times people just, uh, go to price, and I know I said that as well, saying the SPX is moving 100 points either way, but it's also, when you say market neutral, it's not just price, but it's volatility too, and that's what we talk about a lot in these market neutral strategies is that you're you're trading uh, volatility and the expectation that the 
or a realized volatility will be less than the implied volatility that you're likely selling. So it, it's fine if to do these type of strategies if you think the volatility is now elevated and will in uh, sometime between now and expiration that volatility will let that implied volatility will lessen. Well, that's really the best time to trade these, right, David? When right. when the implied volatility is high and the actual price movement starts dropping out. Yes. Yeah. And we actually kind of saw that today, right? So the Russell was down, like, what, single digits. Now, I know that the SDX was down more, but... Yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're starting to see the volatility in the VIX come back down, but then you got to ask yourself, for how long are we going right. to get, you know, the second... Yeah. You know, and it plummeted today to what, 50, right? I mean, whatever it was. I mean, <laughs> right. it's, it's ridiculous levels in the first place, though. So. Right. So, and yeah. now we have in, with all these different strategies, what I like to call a car trade. And so where did it come from? Why, why do I call it that? Well, as I, as I told John for, on the, you know, the holiday virtual trader party, uh, when I introduced this, this trade, it, it again, Dave, a little bit of running a little faint there. I don't know if you're, moving away from your mic or what's going on well thanks for telling me um yeah. i've got it i've got it right up here uh now the okay. the trade comes the, the name comes from another trader in, in the group uh who had something called the party trade and she would set aside an amount of money each month and do a trade where when she won the trade she got to spend all that money now who wouldn't want a, a trade like that especially when you have positive expectancy on a trade. Yeah. And that's yeah. a fantastic idea too, David, you know, yeah. and you know, that really hit me when she, when we were at the seminar and she, um, and she was saying that cause I, yeah. I make this money and I never spend it. And I'm like, well, it's good to force yourself to spend money sometimes. It if you do well, spend the money. It's good for you. Gives you it a little is. boost, and you know. Anyone <laughs> who knows me is, uh, knows that I'm, I'm frugal. I'm, I look for the best deal here and there, but, uh, yeah, it, it you also have to live your life now. You can't just always, think about the future and not live in today. So this is an example of me trying to be mindful and it also gives me an excuse to go buy a car, right? <laughs> so, so what I did, a little bit of backstory is uh, previous to this new car that I purchased, I had a... So this oh, is the actual, this is the car? This is the car. This the is The car of the car this, trade, okay. This is the car of the car trade uh, All right. sitting, sitting in my driveway and so... Prior to this, I had a 09 Honda Civic, and we purchased that uh, brand new. We knew we were going to, like we do with all of our vehicles, we run it until the, the wheels fall off. And so that's, that's the way you should do that, right? It's economical. Uh, all you had to do was change the oil and change the tires every so often. So I got to a point where, you know, I was driving a lot for, I'm driving a lot for work, and uh, I figured after 10 years of having this car, I deserve something new and something nice. And I, and I didn't go overboard. This is a, a late model 4 Series that uh, I looked around for, and I had saved up the money for it, just like our previous vehicles. I don't like to pay late fees or interest charges, so I had the money to purchase a car uh, and just write a check for it. And that's what I planned to do. So I found this car. And was I, t I told Jill, hey, this is this is what I, I'd like to do. And <laughs> for for those of you that know my wife, I, I think John said it best. He said that uh, Jill is very direct, and I know he, he means that <laughs> in a good in, way. In a good way, and she is as long as she's on your side. <laughs> exactly, as long as she's on your side. So she went with me, and she's like, I want to come with you on this. So we went to the dealership, and uh, I picked it out. We're going through the, the writing of the check, and, and the uh, salesman says, well, you know, let me bring our finance guy in here. He's going to tell you about the financing options. And I said, oh, you know, thank you very much, but I've got my checkbook here. Let's go ahead and, and just seal the deal, and I'll drive it home today with the title. And he says, no, 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 uh, we've got to do It's just part of our deal. Listen to this guy, and he'll run through his spiel. So, uh the guy came in and he told me a little bit about what was going on and, and the different rates. And let's just punch your info into a computer. It comes back in a minute. And he's like, oh, congratulations. You got the... Um, oh, pardon me a second. 
that was our Alexa trying to beep at me in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he runs our credit score, and I find that he's like, oh, congratulations, you get 3.9%. And so really, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a big interest guy, so I didn't, I know that's low, but I don't know what that means really, because for me, I don't ever do that. So I said, no, let me just write the check. And then in the background, I hear Jill say, 3.9%. And so she's not an options trader, but she lives with an options trader. So she knows uh, some of the numbers I, I talk about. And she says, can't you make that every month trading your options? And I thought, oh, okay. So now it's kind of like a, uh, a competition here. <laughs> so I kind of thought about it a second and I thought, huh, yeah, maybe I could do this. So, so this is actually Jill's idea. This was actually Jill's idea. Very interesting. That's right. Yeah. So what I did is I said, okay. And so I, at that point, I didn't know. And David's me. thinking I should have bought a more expensive car. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yes, that's right, John. That's right. I thought, you know, I'm a damn good trader. I, let's, let's make this up a little bit. No, that's not what I said. But uh, I, what I did is I just wrote the down payment and we financed the rest for 3.9%. Uh, and so then I got home. And decided, okay, what trade am I going to do? Because let's face it, we could, I could do a rock trade, and if I got a full profit target, all I need is a couple of those, and I could pay this thing off. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted something that I think a lot of people here today uh, may want, and that's something that's a tried and true uh, base trade, something that is low risk but also low reward, but also in that it's uh, – a very slow moving trade. Um, you don't have to be in front of your computer all day. Heaven knows I, I don't have the, the time or the desire to sit in front of the computer all day. This is something that it literally takes me a couple minutes a day. Some days I don't even look at it, right? Because you know where you are kind of inside your, your tent. And so going forward, I thought, okay, I'm not going to try to pay for this car with the trade. I just want to beat the. I just want to beat the interest rate. Okay, so it turns out the interest on the car over the four-year or five-year loan was about eighteen hundred bucks, and so that's that's what I went into this doing uh, with my thinking. And so my version. It's it's my version of what we call the bull versus bear strategy, which is part of John's super simple spreads. All right, where's uh, Dave? Let me just hold before yeah. you jump into the trade guidelines. Anyone having trouble hearing Dave? Uh, I know I just turn my volume up and I hear him loud and clear. So anybody who's not hearing him, all you have yeah, to do is turn your volume up. And if you can, you know, if you can't hear him, then you it's something some issue on your side. Yeah, let okay. me know if if yeah. if it's not coming through. Yeah, correctly. I can hear you. I can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good. So, and others are saying you're fine, too. So good. Okay, great. And, yep. um, yeah, if there's any other questions or either one of you want to jump in, uh, please go right ahead. So this is a, kind of a, a similar style to all the all the different um, market neutral stuff we all know about. So anytime between 55 and 75 days out, we, we start the trade. I like to do it on a down day. Why? Because uh, volatility is usually risen. And then you can get that put spread a little bit further away from the money. And the trade duration is about 30 days. This trade does not get close to expiration. Seth, I know you like that because you like the Rhino trade. Am I correct? Yeah, I like lower gamma stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so, yes. so this is good. You know you're not going to get whipsawed big. Now, the, the, the problem, I'll say the con with this trade is kind of like, M3 or any of those other type where you you're you have to define your risk and where you want to take your risk and, and so it's to the back you know it's for a market drop or an uh, increase in implied volatility and uh, with this you're only in it for 30 days you're out with you know much a long time before expiration so you close out the current trade and open a new one when the back month is or the next month. Uh, is 55 to 75 days out. So there's no overlapping. Uh, I know a lot of people don't want to to overlap. And so what I've what I've done what I've done and you know I, I kind of back traded uh, 
uh, this a little bit, but you'll also see that I do a lot of discretionary stuff with this as well. Uh, sell a 30-point put spread in the Russell for about 250 And I say discuss what deltas. Now, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your course, you do such a thorough job of discussing the all the different deltas that you could sell. And I think the, the meat of the story is that it really doesn't matter, right? Because and I can't remember if it's percentage-wise or, or money-wise, but uh, if it's uh, at the money or like a one standard deviation or a 10 delta, they all will stop out at a similar spot. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. So one thing we should mention too, David, is the type of trade, because just to give people an idea, we're talking about a bullish vertical with a butterfly or uh, a butterfly behind the money or, or what my, some people might call a bearish butterfly on top of a, you know, selling, doing that against the bullish vertical. So it's kind of like a, if you were to picture it, You'll see it in a minute, but it's like a bullish vertical with a butterfly on it. And um, uh, when you when you sell a bullish vertical, one common misconception is if you're for, if you sell it further from the money, that you're going to get you're less likely to get stopped out. But that's not really true. So um, yeah, you know, generally we initially started doing ten delta, but at some point I just said, well, why don't we just go for the credit, and we'll just take two dollars fifty cents credit wherever that happens to be. So I think that's what you're talking about here. Is that what you're talking about, David? Absolutely. And so, again, I guess what I want to make uh, clear to people is that there's no magic pill, no holy grail. We talk about that a lot where, uh, you, yeah, oh, I need to know exactly is it the 12.5 delta that I'm supposed to sell and that it's not that at all. It's, this, is, this is a trade concept, not a, not a, a strategy. The Holy Grail is making good decisions with that space between your ears, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so then in a perfect world, after I've got that put spread on, we're on a preferably on a down day. Again, this is 65, 70 days to expiration. Sometimes I'll put the credit spread on and not do anything for a week or 10 days. I'll wait for an F day, something uh, where the market is higher. And as you know, uh, except for this last month, if you go back another eight months, that's what this market's been doing, kind of gradually rising. So you wait for an update in the market. That's when we love to buy our butterflies that are below the money, right? Because the value of it just gets crushed. It's a negative delta uh, position. So as, as your price moves up, the price of the, uh, of the butterfly itself comes down. So 20, 30 points behind, and then uh, you can fine-tune your deltas to your view of the market. And that's where this, this um, uh, not technical, but uh, going with the flow of the market comes in. It, it's not a, a, a direct, um, a, you adjust at this delta or that delta. You kind of just have, have to have a feel for it. And yeah, I think you know what it's an interesting, interesting, interesting thing, David, or something that I think that works well is is basically you're essentially saying, hey, the market's been down a lot; it's likely probably to not go down too much further, mm -hmm. or hey, it's been up a lot; it's likely to not go up too much further in the near future. So, exactly, you're just taking advantage of that. Yeah. You're taking advantage of it, and I'm not a, a super advanced technical analysis guy. I just I know how to plot support and resistance. I know my Fibonacci numbers and, and tools. It's a very easy thing to do once you get the hang of it. I know what the idea with technical analysis is you want to see what you want to see is what everyone else is seeing. So if you're deep into the woods, no one else is going to see that. But if you have uh, good support, good resistance where price has been before and other people see that, that's what I want on my chart. I don't want it cluttered. I don't want a bunch of uh, what they call spaghetti all over all over my screen. Mm -hmm. And then and so the put spread to butterfly ratio, I say is about one to one, but I don't necessarily put them all at once. And so I, what I say is think bearish butterfly rules here. And again, uh, the next slide will kind of show what I'm talking about. I just wanted to run through these guidelines first. So in a, in a continuing up market, I might put that first butterfly 20, 30 points behind the money. And then once price, once the Russell moves up another 20 or 30 points, then put one 20 points higher and then 20 points higher, kind of like a bearish butterfly. Or if I'm very convinced that now we're at resistance and starting to come down, I might put 
all three of the butterflies 20 or 30 points and then wait for that. But then that's me take that's me uh, putting my view of the market onto my trade, and then I've got to be okay with that, and that's fine. You know, it's kind of like you make your decision, and you've got to run with it. And then you also, once you do that, you have to say, okay, so where's my stop-out point? I'm going, I'm, I'm doing something specific. I'm making a specific adjustment. Where, where What's my exit point? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the upside adjustment. Downside adjustment is what I do is uh, you can roll your butterflies back. Or for me, this is just a simple trade. If, if the market goes down, that's where my risk is. And I'll talk about the exit loss trigger, trigger in a second. Uh, I just get out. It's an easy trade. I don't do a bunch of adjustments where I'm rolling, rolling puts up or single strikes up or I'm not moving the put spread. So there's no profit target. I just exit when it's time to enter the following trade. And then the exit loss trigger is once I'm drawn down the amount of the initial credit of the put spreads, not of the whole uh, position, but just the put spread. So if you got 250 and you've got six put spreads on, yeah, I'm going to get out when I'm down $1,500, which is 250 times six. And then... As, the, as we've said again, low risk, low reward. It's a low maintenance trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's something to be said a lot, a lot to be said for that. You know what? The market starts. You you have a strategy. You know where the weaknesses are. If the market goes against them, you just get out, and try again, because most right. of the time don't, you'll be fine. Yeah. Don't don't try to be a hero. Don't talk yourself into, um, you know, thinking the market has to come back because it's gone down 50 points today. If you thought that in late February. You got cranked. That's right. Mm. Uh, so what I did here is I just got a screenshot of showing what I mean, an in-option view of selling the put spread. So you go down. It doesn't have to be a certain delta. It's a low delta. Right here we've got a 12 delta and a 10 delta. They're 30 points apart, and you're getting about 250. So them. are you saying where you're placing the um, spread the is more driven by the credit? Yes, I know that that's how it is in in John's course, and um, then you can take that to kind of fit your own, uh, again, view of the market. If you want to come closer, if you want to go further away, uh, you're going to get compensated differently for that. Obviously, if you get if you go with a higher delta, you're going to get compensated more. Why? Because you're you're closer to the market, and you deserve more of a credit. So this is kind of uh, a middle ground. Uh, I I usually will be somewhere between, say, 10 and and 16 delta for the initial credit. And that was, uh, Seth, let me tell you that that was in the prior kind of eight months or so. If you Mm -hmm. looked at this, if you went out 70 70 days today, I'm sure you could get further away from the money. You know, it's going to be a whole different thing when the RBX is at 60 versus what it was at 15 or whatever. So yeah, uh, nowadays, and this is something I just did this morning. So what is this? This is down at 830. So we're what, 300 points away. And it used to be, used to be. And this is day 45, right? This is 45. Yes. Because as you can see, I, I had 45 and I had 80. So I didn't even have, my option view was acting clunky this morning. You know, go figure. <laughs> go figure, right? Option view is not clunky at all. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, yeah, this is 45 days out, and I'm still getting 300 points at a 12 delta. And you could have held that one, too. You'd still be good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, because we didn't get down that low. I mean, oh, my gosh, think about that. The Russell going to 830, I mean, it certainly could happen. Yeah. yeah, I was I was selling naked puts at like eighty seven dollars on the IWM, which is eight seventy on the uh, all right, like yeah. crazy. So you're pretty safe there. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so if you just do the bull spread, which which is certainly fine, you you get a delta of six, and and you can run with that. So what I wanted in this this trade for for me for trying to beat the interest on on the car that I bought was something a little bit more neutral. And so with that, well, first let me show you what, what the graph looks like. And 
for those of you who've had option view and know what the a normal graph looks like, this is a little bit wonky, isn't it? Right? Because this is the volatility skews that we have today with the RBX. Usually this uh, dotted line would be somewhere up here more and then come down here a little bit further. But since we have elevated vol uh, on our long strike down here, it's pushing this side up. And we have more volatility on this short, which is pushing this side down. So this is more of a flatter line than normal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then uh, what I do is I'll couple it up with this um, uh, butterfly that is 20 to 30 points away from the market. And you'll notice that it is negative delta, right, because we had a delta of six point something, and now this is five and a half. So it's not a whole, it's not very, um, uh, very much negative delta. But then you can add as many butterflies as you want to, to fine-tune that delta and get the risk graph that uh, portrays your opinion of what the market is going to do. And so as an exercise, what I like to do is think, okay, what's the market done in the last couple months? And then how, what, the, what do I think is, based on that, what do I think the market can do in the next couple of months? And then we kind of do different scenarios and, uh, and then make my position uh, reflect that. Mm -hmm. And so this is with the butterfly attached. So the credit that you receive on this upper expiration line is now lower than it was before because you bought this butterfly, but you've probably paid a whole lot less than normal for it. And mm -hmm. we've got a little bit of a wonky uh, line there as well. So do you always have some credit left? You know, once you get to under normal circumstances in the last several months, uh, once you get to three butterflies, Seth, it, it usually is is pretty close to, to zero. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it does kind of bring that down. And then you just have to then ask yourself, okay, am I all right uh, with instead of having a little bit of credit on each side for a long distance, do I want a bunch more credit within the by three-tenths, so to mm -hmm. speak? Well, plus that credit's going to come back anyway because you're going to scalp the butterfly on the way down anyhow. So Right. It, it, once you come back, that's the great thing about this is what, we, what would normally happen is the market where this uh, black dot is, the gram dot, would kind of go up here for a little bit, come back, and then when, by the time you took the trade off, you were somewhere up here where the, where the uh, T plus zero line is gone. Right. I mean, you have to think dynamically when you see a position like this. It's not just what it is. It's how it, how you're going to treat it as as the trade progresses. So right. if, if the market goes down, he's going to pull the butterfly probably. I'm, I'm guessing, David. I don't, I don't know what the, your exact rules, but near the peak at a profit, he's going to pull a butterfly at a profit. And then, it's, then the expiration line is actually going to be higher than it was when it started. Because then you'll take the profit that you made from the butterfly and put it back on the mm -hmm. upper expiration line. Mm -hmm. Right. Glenn is asking, does the butterfly and spread expire at the same time? Yes, that's a great, great question. I had that in my notes, and I did not talk about that. So uh, in, the, in the normal program, there are lots of, lots of rules and guidelines uh, on the bull versus bear where you uh, have to be at a certain – the Russell has to be up a certain amount or – something of that where you're rolling either the butterflies and or the credit spreads. And for me, uh, my, my sim simple mind wanted something that I could just go in and out of. And that, that, that's nothing to take away from, from John's bull versus bear. Um, but that's just what I wanted is something a little bit on the more simplistic side because this is not the only uh, trade that I trade. Right. Well, plus you're, you are, I think this is important to point out too. You're you're actually making some sort of a subjective opinion on when to put these on. In the program, we're looking at it as if we have yes. We're not looking at the market at all. We're just doing it blindly, right? Not knowing what's happening. Well, so, right. So we have other precautions and different things we do to help try to offset if you're wrong, so to speak. Yes, and and this there should be like a, a caveat here that says uh, someone just getting into this. I I would caution them from doing it kind of this way, flowing with your subjective thinking, because a lot of times you can talk yourself into the herd mentality, and we all know what happens when you follow a herd. 
So get yourself a good education with the super simple spreads and learn how that process works. I didn't make this trade on my own. I made it based on uh, rules that I followed for a long time uh, and back testing the specific trades, the guideline trades, because you have to know how this trade works under specific guidelines that you've back tested and that you've live traded for you to understand how it's going to flow with the market. And so you kind of have to graduate to that. Am I right? Yeah, I agree with Definitely. Okay. And then, um, so in a spreadsheet here, I don't know if you guys can make sense of this. Um, not a, uh, I'm not a great Excel master here, but uh, we've got different uh, exits and, and shows the the amount that could could be made on a on a trade, and then each one or at each every other one is a car payment. So we know that that's fixed. The the trades can kind of come and go. And again, I'm not trying to. The idea was not to try to pay for this car. It was just simply to beat the interest. And over the life of the loan, the interest on the car was $1,800. And in just a few short months, I think three months, I had made $1,800 profit. So at that point, I, I consider it won. You know, I, I, I won the game. I took Jill out to dinner and said, I, I, I beat the interest rate on the car, and now the rest is just kind of kind of like gravy or whatever. It's like a party trade. <laughs> it is. It's a party trade. And in, instead of you know, having to slug 100 miles in my, my Civic, I get to do it a little bit more in style. And uh, a couple of takeaways here on this slide is to show you so yes, the car payment itself is is fixed over time, but the amount that you can win or lose on a trade varies. And so if you just go a few short months after two trades and a payment, you could be down quite a bit of money, and then that can that can wreak havoc on your uh, psychology. So you might say to yourself, "Oh, this isn't going to work. Let me hop to a different trade. Let me let me tweak this or tweak that." And you can't, you can't do that if you want to be a, a successful trader. You know, after a certain amount of time, when you have been trading, you have positive expectancy. I go into a trade, you know, actually feeling and thinking that, that I can win this. And I know that it can lose, and I do lose. I take losses. I took several of them last month. And you've got to be all right with that. But you also have to know that you go into it with a positive expectancy. And I think when you look at the M3 and, and all those different trades, and, and if you back test the heck out of them, you get nine wins and three losses uh, average or something for a lot of those type of trades. So you know going in, you follow the rules, that's what you can expect. But that also means that you can expect losses. Like you, sometimes you tell people that and they say, sure, sure, sure. But then when they take the loss, they're like, no, I'm, I'm out. I, I don't want to do this. This this trading is for the birds. So you got to be okay with that. And so after that loss, uh, I just jumped right back on the horse. And and so at the end of 2019, we've got almost a $1,400 surplus. And that's not just paying the interest. That's paying the car, the full car payment off. And so, you know, we, we had this big uh, max loss for for the current trade that mm -hmm. was on. And so even after that, after paying uh, all the car payments, we're still about break even. Right. That's not just the interest either, right? That's the whole yeah, payment. Yeah, that's principal right. interest. Right. Yeah, so, so you're, this car nice. trade has turned into, Jill's idea was to cover the interest. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've expanded it to cover the interest and the principal. Exactly. And now I'm looking at a Tesla. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been an overachiever, David. Uh, so in the perfect world, you'll have all your original capital and yes. you'll have your car, right? Yes, that's that's the idea. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the now, idea. Um, we've got a – okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I mean, that. That's. I, I've got a couple more slides here that are just yeah. kind of me 
uh, talking, but uh, yeah. I think one thing you point out that's important, David, and I, th I think a lot, it's easy for a lot of people to miss because they're just kind of zoning out. Is that you know you had a rough time with the strategy for a short period of time, but that's normal. These it doesn't matter if you're going to do the same thing every cycle. You're going to have good periods of time. You're going to have some bad periods of time, and you're a lot better off. I think a lot of you know, a lot of the challenges traders have at becoming successful is as soon as that little bad period comes, they go when they switch into something else. Right. Yeah. And I think sticking with it is just of the utmost importance, at least for a you know a, a commit to yourself. You're going to stick with something for a certain period of time, a long period of time, and run the whole period of time. Then then decide if you want to use it or not. You know, right, right. Not just bail out after a loss. Exactly, um, and, and this yeah, is coming from a. Trading. This has come from a guy who started traded options 12 years ago and and still doing it. And uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've talked you've talked to traders that have been in this for decades, and they're like still losing money. They're they're treating it as a as a hobby, right? I have people who call me that I met in 2005 or 2006 when I was in Vestools and they're asking me and they're, and they're still struggling trying to make money and they knew more about trading. They had 10 or 12 years of experience when I met them back then. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah. And they're still doing the same thing. They're looking for the next wonderful trade. So that tells me it's, it's psychology. It's, it's like you said, John, earlier. It's, it's what's going on between your, your ears. Yeah. Exactly. Well, why don't we jump in before you give your concluding remarks, Dave. Why don't we jump yeah. in and try to answer some of the questions? Sure. Um, all right. So let me see. Um, let me just go back. Uh, Albert S. S. asked, did you stop trading the strategy with the current market environment? Yes. Great question. So along with the, the actual course, the super, super simple spreads, John has a, it's a VIX filter, an RVX filter above a certain number. And, We've, we've gotten above that, uh, of course, right now. And what that filter does is it keeps you out of markets like 08 and the 09. And, in, you know, in the history books, they'll say in markets like 2020, <laughs> right? So right. Uh, right now, I am not. Uh, I am doing some other things, and that's in the next couple slides. Uh, but this specific trade, uh, I have kind of sidelined. Uh, and even when I modeled it up today, because the T plus zero line is kind of crazy right now, I'm not um, excited to just jump right in to it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of adapting with the market and saying, okay, uh, this may not be the best time for this trade, and, and what, what, what can I do instead? Albert S. asks also, can this strategy be done using OptionNet Explorer? I'm sure it can. I'm, I'm not an OptionNet Explorer user. Uh, but just, just to kind of, as a side note, I really don't do, I just record keep on this trade in option view. I actually just use my mobile phone for this car trade. Yeah, and, you know, just if I, if I can throw in a comment, even in, even in the Super Simple Spreads program, with the bull trade, the bull versus bear trade, and the bear trade, we don't. It doesn't matter what analytical software you have. There's no delta limits and so forth. So, right. I mean, right. You, uh, yeah. no, I never talked about a delta limit. It's really just right. at the T plus zero line. And when you're doing something like this, it's not that big a difference between toss and and option view, or maybe uh, ONE. I'm not certain with that. Well, I think there's a difference in the T plus zero line, but it doesn't really matter because you're not relying on that um, to yes. make your decisions. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, the next question was from Robert, who says, have you back-tested this for shorter time frames, for instance, using weeklies or uh, DTE of 14 to 21 days? I have not specifically, but if you are inclined to back-test and, and look at something like this in current market, this, that might lend itself well to it, right? Because when you talk about volatility, Seth, uh, if you're thinking about two or three months ago volatility, uh, when you're looking at uh, this car trade 65 days out, if you look at it today with volatility, you can get that same kind of profile and credit and everything probably at half that time, right? Because what happens when you increase volatility, it's as if the trade is further away. So if, you're, if you could put on, say, a 30-day 
card trade and it's going to act like a 60 day card trade you know in theory yeah you know what i like to say about further from expiration trades is they buy you a cushion so yeah. as you get buy you a cushion Volatility can as well, right? So, you know, as you get closer and closer to expiration in a more normal environment, then you have to be more and more right on your opinions if you're taking any kind of directional risk, which you are because you have gamma risk on anyway, so you've taken directional risk fast enough. But you have to be more and more correct with your opinions as you get closer to expiration. And you, it, give, it gives you a cushion being further away. And, right. of course, the applied volatility does too. Okay. Um so our case, April was Excuse a me. larger loss than the gaining months. Is there some rule on stopping out which would have capped the loss? Right. That's, that's a great point, too. And, and that was one of my takeaways that I had written down to talk about. Because you'll notice you know, what I did here is I looked at the average uh, gain and the average loss. And you'll notice that, especially with this current loss that you know, got bigger than, it, than normal, yeah, one could say, "Hey, look, you're you're only making say six hundred dollars on your profits, and then you've taken thousand dollar losses. Uh, so it's it's but you're also winning more too. So this this is not a time tested, uh, back tested for for decades trade. It's more of a get you thinking, get your creative juices going." To find something that that can work for you, I'm not willing to you know uh, scale this up to be a million dollar trade or anything. I think that's a valid concern that uh, the loss that the two losses were bigger than the than the average gain. Well, you well, <clears throat> I'd like to point out a couple things, David. First of all, your edge more relies on your ability to make good decisions during the trade than it does by the trade rules itself. Again, so yes. it, those and that's. Hard to back test. That's where his edge is, though. And the other thing I like to point out too is, whenever you say, "Well, I'm going to take a stop in the middle of the day," first of all, re re remember that you can take that three times maximum loss in an overnight gap. Number one, and number two, there's many times, or you have to go back. If you're going to say that, you have to go back and you have to count all the times the trade drew down to that point during the midday, and then one afterwards. And you have to take all those wins away, and then yes. you have to average everything out to see if that's even a worth doing right um right. we've got another comment from anonymous ten D. john i think you said regarding the credit vertical whether it's a 10 delta or much closer to the money you're equally likely to get run over can you elaborate on that yeah so <clears throat> what are we doing with a vertical if we have a vertical and our strategy is to take uh a credit and stop out at one times my credit if that's our strategy, if you get closer to the money, if you if you look and you go very, very far away from the money with a vertical and you get a really hard down move and you get to, say, maybe a 30 delta or a 20 delta or an even – I go as far as saying even an at-the-money naked put and you go – the and you, and you take a look at how much distance it takes for you to stop out, they're pretty much the same. So from that respect, it doesn't really matter. The – the difference between going far from the money and going close to the money is the timing of the move, right? So um, you're almost better off being up close to the money if you get a down move first and then an up move. And you're almost and you're and you're better off the opposite direction if you get an up move first and then a down move. So it's 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 all has to do with timing. And you know if you're going to arbitrarily enter the market at X delta, it really doesn't matter if it's at 10 delta. Like when we did the super simple spreads program. We, one of the things that I did, and I show the results of this, is I did a one-to-one -one risk reward ratio, naked put, uh, 20 delta, uh, no, a 30 delta, a 60 delta, and um, what we have here, 250 credit, and ran them all, and they lost and won at different times, but over the whole period, the actual results and return on your risk was virtually identical. Didn't right. really matter. Win rate was virtually identical. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, they, at the end of the day, a lot of the result, lots of different strategies, sometimes radically different strategies, all end up having approximately the same return, I've noticed, uh, depending on the structure of the strategies. 
But there's a whole family of strategies that tend to have one set of returns, another family that tends to have another set of returns, almost regardless of, you know, the exact rules. Well, so, yeah, if you look, yeah. if you take a Ryan and an M3 and you go take yeah. long-term return rates, they're the same. Yeah, they're going to be very similar. Yeah, even they're, though they're, they're, the they're really traded some quite differently in some ways, but yep. there's some there's there's an underlying similarity to them that give you the same basic results. That's right. Yep. Yeah, they might so, win and lose in different cycles and different yes. months, but long-term they're the same, which brings you back to the person who switches strategies. Yeah. Right. Is always on the losing side of the trade. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I did a video about that a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, a lot of times when you leave a strategy is when it starts performing its best. And when you join the new strategy is often when it start, goes into its. So you're just then you're a loser. Right. That right. It's not whether you lose in the trade. It's whether you're trading like a loser. Right. Well, and well, trading I, like a loser is just hopping from yeah. the hot strategy to the hot strategy to the hot strategy. And guess what? They always get cold as soon as you hop to them. You know, I had I had a client for years that that was who was with me and he just could, he couldn't make any couldn't make money. And his method was that, you know, right. um, he'd be trading a bull trade and it would take a couple of losses and. You know, the bearish butterfly would be winning. So he'd go over to bearish butterfly. And by the time he got over to the bearish butterfly, the bull trade was winning. So, or, or an M3 was winning. He'd jump over there. He'd do the next thing, the next thing. And, and he says to me, he goes, you know, I just want to get profitable. I just want to make money. What do I do? I said, pick one strategy, any freaking strategy. I don't give a crap what it is. And, and keep stick doing it. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you'll be fine over the long period of time. Right. You'll be much better of off than what you've been doing, for sure. Right, right. right. Yeah. I mean, a list of 20 good strategies, right? Take yeah. any one of these. I don't care which one it is, and just keep trading it, and you'll do fine. But he couldn't get himself to do it, and that's it's, it, you know. But that's the one thing you have to do. That's it. All right. Well, Dave, yeah. uh, we're. Uh, I'm sorry, we just got so into answering the questions. Why don't you finish right. up your 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 remote well, remarks, yeah. and then we'll got we can talk yes. about some other stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. I've, I've got a couple more, but I'll just go to um, the the key one. What we're um, like for me, what I'm doing right now is. I want everyone to know that I don't have everything all into my options portfolio and you shouldn't either. So uh, make sure everyone is trading at the appropriate size. Uh, and, and for me, I, it's hard for me to just talk options because why do people trade options? They'd like to do it for the income and for the money, whatever that their answer is. And to me, that means taking a look at your whole portfolio. So the idea here is options are great, and in addition, find find other assets, find other streams of income because we're all in this uh, this money game, as as Tony Robbins would say, uh, to to get to a point where we don't have to work anymore, and, and you don't do things based on uh, money or how much it costs because you're taken care of. So make sure you're looking at your whole portfolio, especially in times like this when uh, like a recession is uh, maybe coming. So diversify. And of course, we've all heard the Warren Buffett quote, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. But it really speaks volumes in this current environment. And yep. for me personally, that means I've had cash on the sides that I'm, I'm taking in stages as the market has come down to, to add to a long portfolio. Don't forget to look out for the long term. Whatever the current market is right now, it'll eventually pass. And so for me, what I've been doing is some calendars, which I haven't done for a long time. Uh, that was something I learned a long, long time ago uh, in the kind of theory-type classes that everyone takes when they're learning options. But uh, the double calendars have been working well for me in a much smaller size uh, than, say, I'll do an M3 or something like that. But uh, uh, Paul, who was on John Locke's, um, one of the sessions here recently is a super, super good trader, and he's been having some success with those as well, and I've been uh, talking with him uh, about that. Uh, some long leap calls combined with short-term calls and call spreads. Uh, for me, that's worked well. And some individual uh, stock names where you can go out on, say, a long-dated call, maybe a year or longer, and then sell short-term higher out-of-the-money calls against it monthly, so you can make maybe make some monthly uh, profit. Of course, that comes with my thinking of, okay, in another year or two, hopefully we're on the back side of this. 
So get into some leaps where you're not paying a whole bunch of theta. If you're uh, very uh, deep in the money call, you're, you're just taking advantage of the potential upside. And then call spreads. So you can, you can jack up the, your returns, now, again, if you're right, by not only selling a, a next month call against your long, say you just had one call, you could sell several uh, call spreads against it, say at, you know, the, the 15 delta or the 10, you know, magical, quote unquote, 10 delta, something like that. And then uh, another thing I've been doing at a very small size and kind of back testing is call side BWBs, which is kind of the, the opposite of what we've all done for a long time. Instead of doing, say, like an M3U, if you can picture that, uh, put spread or a, a put condor behind the money, uh, now do a call condor ahead of the money because then your risk is to the upside instead of the, the downside. If you had a big down day, uh, you're not going to, you don't have that, that uh, risk to the downside. Of course, all your risk is to the upside. So what I've been doing is I've been doing that on the SPX after a big update, market goes up 150 points on the SPX, I'll put a couple of these on and mm -hmm. then fine tune the deltas. It'll actually have a negative delta. And then like today when the market came down, I got out of several of those at a, at a decent profit. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the last thing I'd like to say is I can't wait to get back into the rock style. <laughs> right. <laughs> for, for normal times to return. Yes. Yes. Very good. Uh, was that was that a wrap, uh, yes. Dave? Or yeah, that's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Thank you both for having me and, and listening to me uh, wander here for the last hour. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, not wandering at all. It was great. And lots of awesome so, information there. Yes, and what Thanks. I before everybody goes, um, the course that this whole um, program was based on, this whole uh, theme was based on from Dave, was John's super simple spreads video course. And John, just on a real, real high level, could you just kind of give us a little blurb on each of the strategies? It's four different strategies is taught in the Super Simple Spreads video course. You want to just kind of give a little blurb on each one? Yeah, sure. So we have four strategies. We have the bull strategy, which which is kind of what it sounds like. It's good for uptrending markets, lower vol volatility markets, that type of thing. And, you know, the good thing about this is it's a simple strategy. We're able to test it since 2002. And we also cover this in, in our own meetings. So we cover it every month on, you know, how it's doing and so forth, regardless of the environment. And you can see the expectancy over time. And it's a great strategy there. We have the bear trade which is somewhat similar to a bearish butterfly, but it's more simplified and easier to trade. It's made for a more bearish environment than the bearish butterfly. And basically, we have an entry filter on it, although you know, I do tend to use that trading strategy a little bit more subjectively when the market is not likely to go a whole lot more higher. Uh, that's a good strategy to use. And then we have the bull versus bear, which is similar to what the cart trade is, where we put a bearish butterfly on top of a bullish vertical at a certain ratio um, of spreads. And that takes advantage of our more neutral markets. And uh, then we have the V condor, which is going to work well in our lower volatility, more sideways markets. It tends to do really well, especially if they're, they're uptrending. So um, they're all great strategies and like i said we've been we've been we've been at it for a long time with them so that's right so those are so the super simple spreads course unlike john's other courses uh he teaches a single strategy or a single system i think is a better way to put it in some cases but with the super simple spreads course it's actually four discrete uh strategies that are taught all they're all simple they're all simple to understand and they're all within the same course and that's what dave kind of based his uh, thinking on in what he developed for his car trade so what you want to do is go to optionstribe.com and if you're interested in the course um it is uh it's uh, if you go to the option strategy training courses and mentoring in other words you get to optionstribe.com and you scroll down to the options strategy training courses and mentoring the super simple spreads course is the fourth one down on the right. That's the one you're going to want to look at if you're interested in the course. Now, I'm going to do something goofy, which is I haven't even told John about this, which is 
we normally uh, we were not planning to do a special on the super simple spreads program because we thought in the middle of this virus and you know it just didn't feel right to kind of do a uh, an offer on this program uh, with everyone in you know chaotic circumstances in their lives. But if enough people are interested uh, in um, uh, the course today, uh, contact me and I, I will I'll make you a deal basically. It's and uh, John, I didn't even plan this, but I saw you know so many people attended. And I, I and if people you know really like what they heard, uh, just I'm, I'm going to give you my email address in a minute, and uh, just contact me, and I'll work something out that will be somewhat equivalent to what we've done uh, in the past. Uh, well, so, another thing too, you know, if you're not learning now, if you're not trading now, you might as well be learning. And I think everybody should be in this on paper, trying, trying to trying to trade it real time, yes, like in an option view system or something, so that they understand how things react in this market, because it's probably going to happen again at some point in, the, in your trading future. And right, you might as, right. might as well learn it now. You could, ha- you could have a period where the market returns to quote normal for a while. And then another ramification of the, of the coronavirus bangs the market down again. And well, that could ha- be anything. You know, yeah, I, learned, right. I learned to trade in 2008. Yeah, you know, that's right. You know, these systems were developed in 2000. They were developed yeah. in the, the market crash. So right. this doesn't bother me. Two thousand, yeah. Two thousand eleven yeah. uh, was basically what happened in two thousand eleven was basically based on what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It was a weakening of the entire financial system, and that had an effect of reducing the uh, um, sovereign state European um, debt ratings, basically, and the U.S. debt rating all were weakened because of the recession of two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But it came out in two thousand eleven. So, you know, if you're going to have a period where you're not trading as much, as John says, you might as well take advantage of that time to learn and see how these strategies react uh, in these kinds of markets. I'll give you, give you my email address right away, sfroyberg at smbcap.com. If you're interested in the course, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, take a look at the information page first. If you're interested in the course, shoot me an email and I'll, I'll, I'll work out some kind of a discount for you. Okay, we also have a bunch of strategies for developing traders, and you'll see super simple spreads is on that list. We have intermediate strategies for guys who are somewhat more experienced but still developing, and then we have advanced strategies, which are John's more advanced work, the Rock, the M21, and John's Locks, a masterclass series. Uh, again, anybody interested in super simple spreads, send me an email at sfroyberg at smbcap.com. I'll work a deal for you. And uh, in the meantime, Dave, uh, great, great presentation. John, thank you so much for being giving us the color commentary. I want to thank everybody. Really good attendance today. Really appreciate that very much. Uh, Dave, thanks a million. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, in all it's your business pleasure. schedules, really appreciate all the help. Uh, really appreciate everyone's attendance. Dave, John, thank you. Thanks, yeah. guys. Take care. Bye. Good night.